Well, thank the Lord that we can have it settled in our hearts that no matter how long we've been on this journey, that we're too far to turn back now. None of us really knows which one of us is next. If we knew, we knew when we were, when our time was up, if we knew how close we were to home, I think it'd spur us on. And I think what it would do is it would cause us to be extra sure that we were ready. In fact, I I think if there are two words that should reverberate in the mind of a Christian every single day is simply be ready. Be ready. Some time ago, we started the series of First, Second, and Third John, and you all stayed with me as I plotted through. And uh, you know, I'm not—I'm not a too big of a believer in rushing God's word. I want to—I want to squeeze it for all the spiritual nourishment we can get out of it. But we need to start a new book tonight. I don't know how many knew that. How many knew that coming in we were starting a new book? Nobody. Oh, we have one. Okay, we we knew one. Well, I'm not sure that's encouraging or discouraging. (laughs) But I want to take a a look at at two books. We're gonna we're gonna go right. We're gonna go ahead and do two books. But the theme of these two books is simply be ready. Be ready. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the first epistle of Paul to Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You know, they say that if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it, you'll ruin it. Well... I suppose that's fair. I suppose that's fair. But on the same hand, I would, I would suggest this, this evening that, that there's, while there may not be perfect churches, because we're made of people and none of us are perfect, there are good churches. There are churches that I believe that are a light in a dark world. And though they may have some bumps in the road and they've got some problems here and there, there's churches that stand as a testimony to the grace of God and what, that God can change a life. I believe this is one of those kind of churches. Just brag on you a little bit. But I do. I, do, I believe this is one of those extraordinary churches. And the church at Thessalonica was an extraordinary church. In fact, Paul has much to praise them for. They'd kind of be the flip side of of Corinth. Corinth was a troubled church with problems galore. And Thessalonica was a good church. But you know, Paul needed to pray for both of them. I'm sure Paul worried a lot about the church at Corinth and 
and paced the floor sometimes in prayer as he thought about the things that Corinth and the, the things that were going on there. And I'm sure that there were times that the church of Thessalonica was, was a church that was a blessing to Paul as he'd pray, but also realizing that the enemy was seeking them too. And this morning or this evening, as, as I think about our church and the realization that we have a good church, that's my belief, we are a good church. Didn't say perfect, but good church. The reality that we face this evening is that the enemy would like to destroy us if, if we would be careless. And he won't do it from the outside, he'll do it from the inside. And so I, as we look at First and Second Thessalonians together these next few months, hopefully not years, but hopefully months, it's my prayer that each one of us will be sure to be ready. To be ready. Invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, First Thessalonians chapter 1. And to show you how big of a hurry I'm in, we're going to read the first three verses. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mentioning a mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Like to speak to us tonight on Paul's twins. Paul's twins. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. Father, we're thankful that you preserved it for us. Lord, oftentimes as I stand behind the sacred desk, I think about the fact that there was a time that the scripture was written in a language the people couldn't hear. There were no Bibles for them to read. In fact, the Bible was chained to the pulpit so that no one could have access to it except for the, those that were priests. But I thank you, O oh God, that you've given it to us. We thank you for the men and women who gave their lives for us to be able to read the Scripture in our own language. But Father, it's not enough to read it. It's not enough to hear it. We need to, hear, we need to understand it. And so God, we ask you tonight that you would help us to rightly divide the word of truth, that it would find a resting place in our hearts, that we might be able to mind you. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Do we have any twins here tonight? I, I don't know anybody who claims to... Oh, we have a twin. That's fantastic. I love twins. We've My uncle John's a twin, and... Uh, he. He was born of all things on Christmas Day. Can you imagine twins on Christmas Day? What a present. The gift of no sleep. 
and no peace on earth for the next 18 years. <laughs> but I mean, I think that twins just are, are extraordinary. And, and I just, uh, we've had a chance to pastor twins. And um, just, I always thought as a young person, I would love to someday have twins. I actually had cousins uh, that were twins. And I just always thought it'd be exciting, it'd be wonderful to have twins. I had my first child and changed my mind quickly. <laughs> but I enjoy, I enjoy just j- twins. I just always have. I've always thought they were unique and special. And, and uh, one of my favorite stories about twins is, is that two girls named Kyrie and, and uh, Brielle, I think is how you pronounce her name, they were born in 1995. And uh, they had, um, they were born early, and uh, Brielle uh, was not doing well at all. She was in the incubator, she was blue, she was not doing well at all. Kyrie was doing well, she was doing okay, but Brielle was not. And they did something unusual, very unusual. The nurse asked the parents, can we put Kyrie in with Brielle? And so they, the parents agreed, and Kyrie put her arm around her little sister that wasn't doing so well, and she stopped fussing. She started breathing well, and uh, they're identical twins, and they're happy and doing well today. The only difference I understand between the two of them is one's left-handed and one's right-handed. But uh, I just think that's an incredible story about the connection that twins have. But twins come not only in people, but I I was thinking about uh, things that we talk about. We use the word pairs, don't we? And and we we think of, we've got a pair of arms. Could you imagine living without one of your arms? Or what if you, one of your legs? What What if you had to go without one of your legs? Eliana, would you come here? Oh, you don't have your shoes on? You don't need your shoes. You can come on. Oh, come on. Hurry up. <laughs> Going to need your help. Come on. All right. I want you to do me a favor, okay? I want you to go from, from here to the back of the church on one foot. You only get to use one. So which one are you going to pick? You got it? All right. Go. Wow. All right. Thank you. That's far enough. All right. You can go back to your seat. Now, is that easy? I, all right. Now, well, uh, Dean, would you come up and do that for us? <laughs> he wouldn't make it. It's a wonderful thing to have a pair of legs, to have two. We need two legs in order to be able to walk the, the way that we'd like to be able to walk. Otherwise, you would have to have an artificial leg or crutches or some kind of uh, some kind of device to help us to walk it is just almost impossible if you're older, much older than seven or eight to be able to walk on just one foot. And Paul gives us in this passage four sets of twins. And I believe that with all of my heart that when you have one, you must have the other in order for you to be able to be ready, in order for us to make it. 
if we're going to make it spiritually, four sets of twins that we have to have that Paul mentions right in these three verses. The first one is he says, grace be unto you and peace. Now, way back in the, Paul's day, there were, the Greeks would greet people, instead of saying good morning or, or good day, they would say, grace be unto you. Now, they didn't mean grace like we mean grace. They were just saying, we hope that, that the gods favor you, that you have a good day. Just very similar to our saying, good morning. We're saying, we hope you have a good morning. Now, the Jewish people, they didn't do that. They didn't say grace. They said shalom, which means peace. And so, instead of, of good morning, they would say shalom. And that's kind of encouraging, isn't it? Peace. I guess it's not so great if you've got an army outside your walls, but uh, it's a good greeting, isn't it? But Paul frequently, in fact, it seems to, I don't want to say always, but very, very often, when he would make a greeting, he would use both the Greek and the Hebrew means of greeting, and he would say, grace and peace be unto you. What's interesting to me is that grace always comes before peace. I know this is going to blow your mind. You don't know this, so buckle up. Every single set of twins that you know, one was born before the other. Isn't that amazing? Esau came before Jacob. We know that. There's, a, there's an order, and if, you, and if you talk to twins, they are, the, the, especially the one that was born first, usually will let you know, I'm six minutes older than her. They usually want you to know. I don't know what that has to do with anything. It just seems to be important. Except for in spiritual things, sometimes the order matters. Paul never says peace and grace. He always says grace and peace. And I believe the reason for that is you can't know peace until you know grace. We cannot know peace until we have come to a place where we have met grace, where we have found God to to have cleansed us of our sins, to have forgiven us, and He has shed His grace on our lives, and then, and only then, can we know peace. We live in a world that has cried out for peace for so long. The hippie movement of the 60s was all about peace. Peace, dude. Love and peace, wasn't it? Wasn't that what they were all about? Free love and, and peace. And they had their... Uh, Peace signs, uh, and then march, no war, we want peace. But we haven't had peace, have we? The movement has come and gone, and still we have wars. People of all throughout history have crawled out and cried out and pled for peace. But they want peace first. They want peace first. They want peace Absent of grace. 
And it was just like Eliana hopping down the center aisle. She could do it, but most of us couldn't. And there's people that I suppose have, have given themselves a sense of security and they've given themselves a sense of, of peace. But they never know when they're going to lose it. There's always this sense that, that the stock market could crash. There's always this sense that we don't know who's going to be in, uh, elected next and we don't know what's, what taxes will be in. And there's all... We don't know when the next war is, and we don't know if OPEC's going to produce enough oil or not. And if you want to lose your mind and lose your peace, we've, we've done something brilliant to ourselves. We've created these 24-hour news channels that we can, we can lose our pieces uh, any time of the day, day or night. I'm not sure who thought it was a good idea to do that used to be you had to wait till the 6 o'clock news to, get, to ruin your day. Well, it was 6 o'clock in the east. Was it 6 o'clock here? I don't know what it is here. But now we've, it's 24 hours. And we want, everybody's clamors and promises peace. But nobody wants grace first. And you can't have peace without grace. I need to hurry. I've got to get through four twins. If I'm going to get through this tonight, I preached short this morning, so I have, I have extra time that I get tonight, right? <laughs> oh, I got an amen on that. That's exciting. Grace and peace were the first. And then he goes, and he talks about two more twins, faith and works. Faith and works. Isn't that exciting? We just celebrated. I, we didn't, I didn't get to be here for it, and I, I, don't, I haven't got a chance to listen to the message. I don't know what happened uh, here at the service. We had revival over Reformation Day. And uh, I wasn't even able to be here for Reformation Sunday. I was kind of disappointed. But we have, in our history, a time when the Catholic Church made salvation all about works. And, uh, you know, works are, is, is, is fantastic, and, and so it, let's, we're going to make it all about works. And so, you know, the best work you can do is charity, you know, giving your money. And where's a better place to give it than to the church? Right? Sounds good to me, especially if I'm, I'm a pope or a or a bishop or something like that where I'm getting to take my cut of it. Sounds real good. Well, some of the, some, what was happening is, is some of the monks, some of the priests who were copying scriptures, men like Martin Luther, but Martin Luther wasn't the first one. He was the first successful one. There was many that have died paving the way for Martin Luther. Martin Luther comes and he begins to realize that, you know, faith is important to salvation. In fact, there was the cry, fide solo, faith alone. And so he nailed his 95 thesis to the, to the 
door of the Gutenberg Chapel and he was trying to get them to stop selling indulgences. Indulgences are a fantastic idea to raise money when you have a church building project. If, uh, if Jimmy decides that he wants to sin, you know, he said, you know, uh, he'd really like to go hunting on Sunday. He'd really like to do that. And so he'd come up to me and say, Pastor, I'd like to go hunting this, uh, this Sunday. He said, uh, how, much, how much do I got to give you for that to be okay, for that to be forgiven? Oh, I said, mm, yeah, 100 bucks. He says, well, that's cheaper than going to Colorado. I'll take it. He gives me 100 bucks. He gets forgiveness, he gets to go hunting, and I get $100. It's a good deal, isn't it? But here's the problem with that. It's not biblical. And Jimmy's not forgiven. My favorite story is one of the, when they were going around collecting indulgences, uh, one, of the, one of the men came to them and said, uh, you know, uh, I'm wondering, can I get an indulgence? Usually you had to pay for your indulgence after you sinned. And so, but... He said, I'd like, to, I'd like to buy an indulgence before I sinned. Is that all right? Well, they got thinking about it. They said, well, it's going to cost you extra, but I guess we'll do that. And they, they figured it up, and, and uh, so they, he paid a, a large sum of money for this indulgence. And while the, while the priests were traveling, this guy came along, and he robbed the priest. <laughs> that was his indulgence. I love that story. <laughs> and so the church, the church took a stand and said, faith alone. But you know, that wasn't biblical either. Folks, you don't want to have these twins separated. Twins that, uh, of the Bible, the twins that Paul's talking about here are twins that cannot be separated. And faith without works is dead. I, I really like how one person put it. They said that, that faith and works are like wings on a bird. You can hop around with the other birds without... Uh, works but you'll never soar to heaven with the rest of the birds we've had great debates in church history in fact christians have killed other christians because they've disagreed on this point of faith and works which one c.s lewis was asked about the debate and he says Asking which is more important, faith or works, is like asking which blade is more important on a pair of scissors. Folks, I don't, I don't, I don't know why the church has struggled with this. To have faith and no works, what good is your faith? You get saved, woohoo! Now what? You're going to do everything you've always done? You're going to live the way you've always lived? How is that anything wonderful? Or, you know, let's have just works and no faith. Well, what does that do for you? you it leaves you in a situation where you've got to hope that you somehow did enough good works to get yourself into heaven. 
that you paid enough money to the church, that you, you spent enough time, that you volunteered enough. What kind of, what kind of life is that? What if, what if you've not had a chance to get, get to the priest in time, from the, when you made your uh, sin and you need to pay for your indulgence? You got to make your confession to the priest and you die on the way. Are you doomed? I'm so thankful that we have come to understand that these are twins that cannot be separated. Faith and works are like your right leg and your left leg. And it you will hobble you and you'll never win this race if you have just one or the other. Now, I want to be careful here because I know that the temptation is, well, the thief on the cross didn't do any works. And you're right, he didn't. But it wasn't for lack of wanting to. It was for lack of ability. And if we have lost our desire, we've lost our motivation to do good works, we should check our faith. We should check our faith. Because our faith should compel us to good works. Now, I understand we can grow weary in well-doing. In that fact, there's the, the warning is given to us not to grow weary in well-doing because it's so easy to let happen. But do you know what the cure for that is? Recharging your faith. It's spending time with the Holy One in the throne room. That's the cure for being weary and well-doing. Paul's twins, we have grace and peace. We have faith and works. And I think just like grace and peace, faith has to come before works. I believe it does. All your good works, before you get saved, they're no credit. There's... You know, I, I, I don't like it when I hear people say that they've got to make a restitution before they can get saved. It just That's not biblical. The thief on the cross was not making restitutions. Now, you may have to make some restitutions before you get on, go on into holiness. There may, be some, uh, there may be a process of you humbling yourself that's required to get into holiness. But I'm just not real thrilled when I hear people say, I didn't get it, I'm going to go make some restitutions. It's wonderful to make restitutions, but you can have it now. Faith comes before works. And if you're trying, and this is my fear, is that they're trying to show God that they're serious, or they're trying to show God that they're worthy of grace. And folks, we're just not worthy of it. We never can be. We don't need to go and get cleaned up to take a bath. We just get in the bath. Paul has two more twins. Love and labor. Love and labor. Now, I suppose that we could, one could ask, what's the difference between labor and works? Well, I'm not sure that there's a good way to, to distinguish them, except for maybe something like this. 
We had a, a dear lady in our first church. Her name was Sister Barb, and she was one of a kind. She just, she's just special. And uh, one of the things that she believed in, she was very, very poor, but one of the things that she believed is that the first fruits went to the pastor. That's exciting. She'd go out and she would go and she'd pick uh, wild uh, berries and she'd make a, a blackberry pie. And the pastor got the first fruits. Hallelujah. That was exciting. Or she would, perhaps someone would give her uh, some peanut butter. And her, she would have to make a peanut butter pie for her pastor. I never said no. <laughs> she believes the pastor got the first fruits and I wasn't going to tell her otherwise. I mean, it was just a good deal. She didn't have very much. She lived on, on disability. But every time she'd go berry picking or she'd get something, pastor got first fruits. And so when she go, so when she would take and she would, would put all that energy into picking those berries and baking that pie, that's labor. The works is when she gave it to me. There's a difference. The works is what happened, what the, but the labor is the energy to do the good works. You can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving. It's just the way it is. Sister Barb loved me, and I knew she did. And you all do too. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I don't want anybody to feel bad. I'm, that I, I, I will take a pie, but no, that's not what I'm trying to get at. We got several pies in last week. We were very happy. But because she loved, she served. As she was picking those berries, she knew that this berry might go in the pastor's pie. And she was thankful that God had provided those berries. And I was thankful the Lord had provided those berries. But because she loved, she served. Now you can go down to to the restaurant here, we can, we can go down there and, and there will be a waitress who will serve you that does not love you. She might, if, if you know her, you're related to her. But most likely, she doesn't love you. She's serving you because she's hoping you're going to tip her. That's all she really cares about. And even if she does love you, even if she's uh, related to you, she probably still hopes you're going to tip her pretty well. And I hope as a good Christian you do uh, tip well. Leave a good testimony. But she, that server is serving you. She's, her labor, her energy is for her own benefit. So you can serve without love. But here in a, just a few short days, some of you are going to have the kids in. And perhaps the grandkids in. And some of you mamas are, and grandmas are, you're going to be real thankful there's no prayer meeting on Wednesday night that week because you're going to be in the kitchen. And there's going to be flour and there's going to be sugar and there's going to be uh, who knows what all thrown all over your kitchen. It's going to be a disaster. 
Some of you are like, no way, I it, clean it up as we go. Well, good for you. <laughs> but you're going to sweat in that kitchen. And turkeys are going to be slaughtered. And sweet potatoes are going to be made into casseroles. Green beans and mashed potatoes. I hope you're hungry. <laughs> you're going to sit down after all the family has sat down. After you put all that labor in there and you put the turkey and someone doesn't like turkey so you made a ham or something else that they like. And you made the mashed potatoes, and you know someone doesn't like mashed potatoes, so you made something else for them. And you made this, and you made that, and you made all the family favorites because you love them. And maybe you might grumble under your breath because yeah, that son-in-law of yours doesn't like turkey, and what's wrong with that boy? But you're going to do it because you love your family. And you might say to your husband before the family gets in, I'm getting too old for this. But next year, Lord willing, you'll be back in that kitchen a year older doing the same thing. Because you can't love without serving. You just can't. They're twins. Your labor of love. why this morning I tried to compel us to, to put aside our fear so that we can love and through love that we can be able to serve and through our service be able to win some. Two twins that are so important. And then there's one last set of twins and I've got to hurry. But there's, a, there's another set of twins. Our translation says patience and hope. Patience and hope. Other translations use the word endurance. It's awful hard to hold on to hope sometimes. But if you lose hope, you'll lose endurance. You'll lose the ability to suffer and to go through hard times and, and those mountains and valleys the gentleman sang about tonight. It's awful hard to go over the mountains and through those valleys, to go through those hard places. It's hard to endure those things lest we have hope. Unless we have hope. Someone said that hope is... It's spelled H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations. And isn't that what you feel about heaven? It's what I feel about heaven. I only have positive expectations. I don't know what's going to be there. I don't know how, how to describe it. John tried, and, and I think when we see John, uh, we're going to say, John, you, you didn't do it justice. I say, John, you, did, you just didn't do it justice. 
I think John will say, I did the best I could. But there just wasn't words. I have only positive expectations of heaven. And when I'm going through the mountains and the valleys, when I'm going through those hard places, those desert places where there isn't much joy and there isn't much to get excited about, what do we say? I'm too close to home to turn back now. What are we doing? We're holding on to hope. And hope brings with her the, her twin patience. And we can endure hardness because we have a hope. We have a hope. I read about uh, a family. God had called the man to the ministry and he'd finished his seminary and the Lord called them to Alaska. Hallelujah, he didn't call us to Alaska. I'm excited about that. I could shout about that right now. Watch it get called later. Hopefully not until 20 years later. But anyhow, they get called to Alaska. They pile up the U-Haul and they're driving up. Can you imagine driving up to Alaska? It's bad enough driving to Michigan or New York. But they're driving up to Alaska. This is 20 years ago. This is before GPSs, before they have any of those kind of things. And, and they're driving up there, and they're low on fuel. And it's getting darker and darker. And the gauge is reading zero. It's empty. And they don't know how to find a gas station, and they don't know how long until there is one. And it's getting dusk now, and across the road goes a bear. And the dad of the family, he said that bear looked like it was 6,000 pounds. I guarantee if you're a missionary to Alaska and you're driving up in a U-Haul with your family, any bear is going to probably look 6,000 pounds to you when you're running out of gas. He didn't know what to do. You're, al you're almost out of fuel. It's, it's dark now. There's bears out. And finally, the father says, you know, he says, I think we ought to just park it right here. I think we should just pull over the side of the road and we'll wait till daylight. And we'll try to figure things out in daylight. They spent a miserable night in the car. It's not very fun to sleep in the car. They're uncomfortable. And nobody dares to go outside to use the bathroom because there's bears. This is not a fun night, folks. The sun comes up in the morning. They're all exhausted, thankful for the daylight. Dad starts the car. It starts. They go up a hill and down the hill. They go up the second hill. And as they crest the hill, half a mile away was a 24-hour gas station. They stopped just short. I had no way of knowing it. Not only did there was a gas station, but there was a restaurant. They could have eaten well. They could have been fueled up. But instead, they had a miserable night because they stopped short. Folks, we can't afford to stop short. We don't know when, 
when heaven's coming. We don't know when, when our Lord's going to return. We don't know uh, the days. We don't know the hour. We don't know when, when our life will end. We have no idea how close we are. We can't stop short. We can't stop short. You know why that pastor pulled over the side of the road? It's because he had no hope that there's a gas station within the range of the fuel in his tank. He lost hope, and therefore he lost endurance. Folks, let's hold on to hope. I want to be ready. I want to be ready when the Lord calls my name. I want to be ready. And Paul has given to us four sets of twins that if we will use them and we will know them well, grace and peace, faith and works, love and labor, and of course, hope and endurance. If we will know these four twins and we will know them well, they will guide us all the way home. Praise His holy name. Let's stand together. Amen. 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 Jennifer, would you dismiss us in prayer?